Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you here as we conclude our Word of Life series. What, what awesome worship today. I appreciated the songs, and, and many of them were intentional, uh, for we are celebrating a belief we have in Jesus Christ today, a very important part of John's last chapter of his letter. Now, let's remember, it's the last hour. There is time clock that has been started in glory and John saying in the time from when Jesus ascended to his return is called the last hour and as we move closer to the last days as spoken of in prophetic literature we can see that these things will happen and one of the things he says will happen is wolves will come we hear from the apostle Paul false teachers will come threatening it in this world there's going to be difficulty He keeps reminding his spiritual children, don't be shocked if the world doesn't like what you believe. Don't be shocked if there is trouble. Don't be shocked by that. Don't be surprised. But he doesn't just leave us there, and neither does Jesus. I mean, it's not the most comforting thing in the world, is it, Christians? Like, if you're a parent and you're like, hey, okay, you're going to have a really horrible day today. Go get them. You know, it's not super encouraging message. And I think sometimes that's the way these passages can be presented. Like, all right, it's gonna stink, go get them. But, but it could, unless you learn how to overcome. Wait, 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 we have an out? Yeah, yeah, it's called overcoming. And that is the heartbeat behind John's final chapter today is learning the keys to overcome coming the world. You you mean I'm not just going to get beaten down into submission? You might, unless you know how to overcome. And good news, even if you get knocked down on the mat, if you're a child of God, you'll get helped back up. But as you go through life, wouldn't it be good to have some assurances that in the end you win? Well, that's the heartbeat behind John. Yet so many Christians are walking around not assured of their salvation, not assured if they will overcome. They hope, I mean, they're banking on it. He says, no, no, you can know that even in the world, when you will have trouble, you can overcome it. How do we know? Because we've placed our faith on Jesus, not ourselves. This don't preach in a self-help message, okay? Because you're not gonna do it in your own strength. You're going to need Jesus because he is the overcomer. In fact, he told us that. He said, in these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you're gonna have tribulation, but be of great cheer. I have overcome the world. I've got good news. I've overcome, and that's great, Jesus. But I wanna be the one who overcomes. Well, how do you do that? Well, today we're gonna learn, it's your faith. What's that? It's your faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith. If you're gonna overcome, it will be through your faith. But, but that's very important to define because people love to throw around the word faith, okay? It's a good out for calling yourself a child of God sometimes even. You're like, well, I've got faith. Okay, okay, well, let's get a little more bolder than that. And let's say faith in what? Because people place their faith in a lot of things, right? I mean, you might place your faith in politics. You might place your faith in your parents. You might place your faith in your paycheck. You might place your faith 
in your health? What are you placing your faith in? And your faith, you'll find, is only as strong. Here's a faith nugget. I'm gonna give a couple today that have been given to me throughout the years because I've had a lot of really wonderful mentors invest into me. And, And one of the nuggets I would always hear is, faith is only as strong as the object you place it in. If the object you're placing your faith in is not strong, you're gonna have a weak, unassured life. But if your faith is placed on the strongest thing it can possibly be, Jesus Christ, then you can walk with assurance even in a world that is gonna beat you down at times. And that is what is so great about knowing Jesus and being assured of your faith. In a world where you will take blows, people will call you names, people will reject you, people will abandon you, people will throw comments your way. This will happen on earth. But if your faith is placed on Jesus, not only will you get through it, you'll be what you see in scripture, an overcomer. And I believe that's the desire of our church today. And that's why our last message in this series, we're gonna call, Tis So Sweet to what? Trust in Jesus. Are you familiar with the tune? Well, hopefully you are. We sang it already this morning, okay? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Pray with me, church. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. And thank you that John has written this wonderful letter to a church that was going through such a difficult time. Church is, I should say. And John penned this letter to reassure his spiritual children that although there's gonna be trouble, you can overcome. And that overcome that you'll experience is through your faith, but it's not of your own strength. It's through your faith that is placed in Jesus Christ. And that is so, so sweet when we understand the depth and the breadth of that truth. And we'll pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, it was storming as it did every year when I took this group. It felt like every year I took this group, it would storm. I mean, thunder, lightning, and it would always be um, at a time where it was most inconvenient. And, And a little bit later now, when you lead groups of people, okay, if you've ever had the privilege of leading 200 teenagers through an amusement park, you understand what I'm talking about. Um, If you don't, you can criticize from home on how hard it is. But when you actually do the work, right, you find out how hard that is. And it's even harder when there's thunderstorms, unless you're at Hershey Park. You say, why? Hershey Park is the game changer for all youth leaders. You have an out when the storms of life come. And it's the Chocolate World Factory. Is anybody familiar with the chocolate world factory? I mean, you get into this thing and the storms of life go away. Everybody can get inside this thing. They can somewhat enjoy the ride, even if they've seen it a thousand times, all right? But many of you, if you've ever been through this, you're still thinking of that time when you go through the heater, right? Where it gets a little hot there in the oven and and you see the chocolate and you wonder if it's real, but you've been seeing it for 30 years. You realize it's not, okay? But, But that chocolate world was just such a great escape. And even Hershey has penned itself, right? The sweetest place on earth. Now, some grandmas might be offended by that for that's your home, right? 
that, that's your couch, right? That's the sweetest place on earth. But Hershey has penned itself the sweetest place on earth. And I have some issues. We all know that. And one of the things is I ponder things nobody else should. And I was driving along the road and I was pondering the word sweet. We, we use it in multiple facets. Have you noticed that? Something can be very sweet, okay? Ooh, that, that tastes so sweet. But there's a second aspect, right? It can be sweet or that's sweet. So we say things that are sweet are, are really cool. And, and then we can say things are, oh, that's so sweet, Oh, that's so sweet. When a pastor delivers a really bad message, but you love him, you go, oh, he's sweet. He means well. We use sweet in a lot of different ways. But it is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Because if you don't have Jesus, I have tremendous pity on that life. For I have no idea what it would be like to not have Jesus in my life. Church, am I speaking to anybody? I can't even imagine how horrifying the world is. I can't imagine how much you must have to fight for your own security because you're terrified to die. I can't imagine how you get through grief and loss. Can't imagine. Because with Jesus, it's difficult. With Jesus, it's difficult. I can't imagine the hole that is in your life, the anger and bitterness and frustration that could also go through, the dependence upon yourself when we know we make mistakes. John says, in this world, you'll have trouble. But I know a place that's the sweetest place on earth. And it's his relationship with Jesus. And he writes about it here in chapter five. There were two boys, they grew up in the Northwest. I just read this illustration. It said on, on special holidays and their birthdays, Christmas, um, special momentous moments in their life, like weddings, they would get letters from their mom and they would read them and they would love reading them. Young kids, boys especially, they loved reading cards from their mom, not where's the check, okay, all right? They loved reading them. And they would read them every time and even into their adult life, they get that letter on that big moment and they would read it. You say, oh, that, that's That's sweet. And it is, but it's even sweeter when you know the backstory. When they were of the ages, oh, and just early 8, 10, 11 years old, their mom developed cancer and started dying rapidly. And their mom, of great faith, chose to take her final time of life to write them letters that their father would deliver to them the rest of their life. And she began to write them specific letters for Christmases. She began to write them specific letters for them to read on their wedding days. And dad would deliver them to those boys. And those boys couldn't wait to open another letter from mom and see her pen stroke, her words, and read them like it's the first time 
they heard mom say it. Mom wrote that, all those letters, with such a heart for the reader that I wonder if you even saw the tears on the paper. This is the passion behind John when he writes about belief in Jesus to his kids that he knows he's not gonna be around much longer. For John is very old when he pens this. He has not yet been exiled to the island of Patmos, but he has gotten to an age now where he's not sure how many of them he's gonna see for how much longer. And so it's like he just spits facts at him for the last part of this letter. He's just throwing, he's all over the place. And I've tried to formulate it the best I can, but I believe I will fail today. But I'm gonna do my best to kind of show how John is kind of just trying one, one last round of affirmation before I go. And, and I've penned it into these three categories. Tis so sweet to believe in Jesus, the first five verses. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, the next six verses. And then tis so sweet to pray to Jesus. And we'll follow that outline through that I've created. It's not there if you check in your scripture. I don't see, I've created for us to kind of get our hands around this chapter that is one of the more difficult chapters to interpret in scripture, if you ask me. I will actually rest well when we're done First John. But here's the first five verses. Let's read it like a letter. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. What is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. I broke it down this first section a little bit. John's saying, those who overcome the world are people who believe that Jesus is God's son. Not that he's a good teacher, not that he was a good guy, not that he was one of the ways. No, they believe that Jesus is God's son. And one of the ways they express that is love for the children of God. If you're a child of God in here, you have the same dad as me. We got the same dad. And we should love one another as brothers and sisters of the same dad. It's the devil's trick to get the church to hate each other. We are to love one another. We share the same love for the same dad. But then we are to obey what dad wants us to do. That's part of being a God's kid. You wanna obey what God, what dad wants us to do. And when we see one another not obeying what dad wants us to do, we ought to be praying for him and pulling for him. For we want them to do what dad wants us to do. But here's the really cool thing about our relationship as a God's kid. We're told to learn to have faith in dad more and more as we grow. Trust dad more. Do, do, love dad more. Find out more about dad. Get to know dad even better. Your goal and one of your desires here on earth to overcome it is to continually, while you're here, get to know dad better. Hang out with him. 
Spend time listening to him. Talk to him. And if you're newer to the faith or if you're newer to the church, you go, how do you do that? He's not alive. Oh, yes, he is. Stop by Easter and watch us celebrate. He's, oh, he's alive. And he's given his word that is living and active for me to get to know him even better. How well are you getting to know dad? Because that's who overcomes the world. Those who just understand that their faith isn't something that's just something that they came at the moment of salvation. And we will overcome because of our faith. Please make no mistake. But we will overcome the daily battles with our knowledge and growth in who dad is. What does John call that? Abiding. What a beautiful word. He calls it abiding. And there's so many children of God that have taken their salvation as a get out of jail card instead of a love relationship with a father who wants to know them. This is who overcomes the world, John says. The one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. Not just someone who says, I have faith. No, no. The object has to be in Jesus for it is so sweet to trust in Jesus. I like the opening refrain of that song. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Now, now some of you are going, I, I've never read Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus with the screen background of donuts before. <laughs> but you don't know my testimony then. It was an evening service. The pastor was preaching and for once, Chris Heller paid attention instead of drawing on everything because I drew all service. And I was paying attention because the pastor was talking about spending eternity with Jesus. And I thought I wanted to do that, but I really didn't like the whole idea of hell. That was really bothering me. And so I wanted to talk to my dad about it. Now, in our family, we had lots of traditions, not many healthy and one of the traditions is my dad loved yum yum donuts. I mean, we would go to yum yum donuts, all right? And we, we would go up to Quakertown, we'd sit around. They, they had a bar when I was a kid and you sat around it and we'd eat donuts, all right? Well, this night we brought the donuts home. I think I had to go to bed or something. And it was around donuts. And whenever I see donuts, bang, six years old again, or I ask Jesus to be my personal savior. And I learned some things about Jesus in my life. One is Jesus is God. He's not a God. He's not like God. Jesus is God. I learned that Jesus is my savior. He is the only one who can save me. And if I need saving, I gotta go to him. And then I learned that Jesus rose again. And although I can't see him, it doesn't mean he's dead. And then I learned that Jesus is coming back. And if that's true, I wanna live my life for him. And at the age of six, I bowed my head, I closed my eyes, and I asked Jesus to be my savior. Now the words didn't matter. My heart wanted Jesus to be God in my life. And I began that journey. My mom, when I was a teenager, started walking away and wanting to get into the darkness a little bit. I started prone to wander, Lord, I felt it at the age of 16, 17 especially. The things of the world were growing strangely bright to me, okay? And uh, the things of the Lord felt more like rules and regulations. 
On top of that, I was growing and finding confidence in myself versus things like the Bible. And my mom gave me a Bible and she wrote it to a kid who was obsessed with working out at that age for athletics. And on it, she gave me a faith nugget that I'll never forget in the opening page. It said this, um, faith is like a muscle that spoke to me. The more you use it, the stronger it grows. Now, I was at a stage in my life where there were certain muscles I wanted to get stronger so that I could perform at a certain level in the sports that I was involved with. And so I knew how to target muscles, but I had never applied this to my faith. But it was my mom who wrote, faith is like a muscle, Chris. The more you use it, the stronger it grows. What are you experiencing right now that is providing you a chance to exercise. See, the devil's been using it as a chance to make you bitter or angry or ticked off at where's God at? I've been praying about this for years. Where are you at? See, the devil wants to use those moments in your life. God's not good. God's not there. God's not great. But God is gonna use this moment in your life to help you exercise that muscle. And I'll tell you, there's certain muscles I am weak in and they need toned up. And he doesn't ask me to volunteer what muscles often. He just chooses the time. We're gonna grow that muscle. Oh, not that one. Not the perseverance muscle. Can we do a different muscle, right? Oh, no, 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 not the, not the rejection muscle. Oh, no, not the fear muscle. Oh, the fear muscle. I want you to grow in this area. And it's sweet to believe in me because I'm gonna use this in your life. Tis so sweet to believe in Jesus, but John continues. It's also sweet to trust in Jesus. Let's read this next section of his letter. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the spirit is the one who testifies because the spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has been born concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Um, um, dad, could you help me understand what on earth this means? Have you ever read the Bible like that? What did we just read? I give up. Hopefully Chris makes sense of it on Sunday. No, no, I, I get it. I, you know, you can read this. Somebody, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. We got water. We got blood. We got testimonies. What's going on here? But see, our church, we're, you're, so, you're so unbelievably smart. You already know what John's doing. You're like, you already know what John's doing, Chris. You could let the other people know. Okay. Corinthians, um, one of the docetism teachers, as well as the false teachers, you guys remember, is walking around telling everybody Jesus is a phantom. 
not real. And on top of that, he, he offered this spirit as this divine Christ that came down at baptism but left before he died because there's no way Jesus could experience death. And so there's gotta be more to this. And so he was making up different assumptions about God and John wants to attack that. And he says, there are three specific witnesses that have given testimony like in a court trial that this occurred. And those three are found in this passage right here. For there's three that testify, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three Agree. The spirit was a witness at the baptism of Jesus. John heard audibly, this is my son with whom am I pleased? He's not that happy about somebody saying that didn't happen. He says the water was a witness to the humanity of Jesus, that he was in the water. This is really what I believe in then as well, is the blood was a witness of the death of Jesus Christ. And he says, these three agree. And all of you are like, that's important. That's huge that you got three witnesses. Right? Why? Because um, the Old Testament law demanded multiple witnesses for something to be believed. Oh, John, I see what you're doing. You're leveraging even the law against these false teachers. You're leveraging everything they know against them. You have pulled back, set your target, and gone three witnesses. And they all speak to the fact that Jesus is God. He's laying a bedrock for you, church. He's laying a bedrock, little children. Gather around in the family meeting. He's laying a bedrock of three things. One, believers are born of God. That's the whole idea. They're born of God. They're children of God. They overcome through Christ, and they are witnesses along with the spirit that these things occurred. John says, I saw the ground shake when he died. I saw the veil ripped in half. I heard the spirit say, this is my son. And like the century, he said, truly, this is the son of God. The Trinity throughout scripture, not mentioned by name, but leveraged in multiple passages, including the most known one of Genesis where Jesus or God says, then God, Elohim, we studied in our name of God series, which is plural, but it can be used as a singular. Here, singular, because said is a singular verb. Let us, plural, make man singular in our plural image. There was always a singular and a plural where it comes with God. And so when Jesus, because if you're newer to church, you're like, I thought Jesus, Jesus and God, they're both, they're both, I thought God is you have the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. But the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. It's singular, but plural in nature. And there's been many illustrations to try to describe the Trinity from like ice, you know, ice can exist in hard form. It can exist in different forms or, or uh, eggs. There's the hard shell, there's the white part and there's the yolk. They're singular, but it's plural. With God, we see that the son is God and the father is God. And any throughout this entire book, throughout this entire letter, anything that gathers together to worship, 
that doesn't have Jesus as God, John is clear. You gotta know him, he's God. He's not a man, he's not kind of like a man. He is fully God and fully man. And this is the testimony. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this is the life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Why am I repeating this? Because parents, you might get this. Your young people need to in case you're not teaching them. Jesus is God. And when you know that, the confidence that comes from that is everything because this world will constantly be making up religions that say he's something else and worship other names and other people that come along. And that's why we wanna pound this home much as we can because we're honoring John and how he's writing it. He says, I write these things to you so that you may believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you might wonder, that I hope. No, that you might know that you have eternal life. There's gonna be people who come along at times and say, you can't know. You're never sure. John says, not true. I write these things so you can know. Not wonder or hope or guess, but know. And as those who believe in the name, Oh, there's something about that name, the name of Jesus. There was a time where Jesus was confronted and he dropped his other name. They came up to him and they said, is it true that we are correct? I love that line. Are we right in saying this? They're asking him. So, so are we right in saying this, that you are a Samaritan and you have a demon? Are we right in saying that? No, that, that Jesus, no, I, I, I don't have a demon, okay? Um, I follow after my father's will. And anyone who follows after me won't see death. Liar! You must have a demon. He's gotta have a demon. He's gotta have a demon. Because he said if we follow him, we won't see death. Abraham died. The prophets died. And you sit there and say, if people follow you, they can't die. Are you better than Abraham? Abraham knew of me and rejoiced. Oh my goodness, this is not going well, Jesus. They're not handling this. Abraham knew of you and rejoiced. You you think you're greater than Abraham? And they said, are you not even 50 years old? And you think you know Abraham? Abraham rejoiced at the thought of me. And they're like, he's got a demon. He's this, and Jesus says, listen, I bet this was a crowd stopper because they worshiped Abraham. We are a father Abraham. We are a father Abraham. Hey, hey, hey. Parents, you ever do this when, when your kids go, it, they're, they're, they're disobeying you a little bit. You go, hey, I brought you in. We could take you out. <laughs> maybe you owned a company. Maybe you founded a company and the employees are complaining about the company. Hey, where were you when I started the company you're complaining about? Jesus pulls one of those. Oh, he thinks he's better than Abraham. Hey, 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 hey. Before Abraham was, I am. Get some stones. Get some stones. They ran and and Jesus just disappeared on them because they were gonna throw stones at him. This guy is saying before Abraham was, I am. And John, oh, John in his other gospel writes about these I am statements. And when you understand the depth 
of these I am statements. You begin to realize how important it is to John that you love Jesus. If it hasn't sunk in yet, yeah, we love Jesus. I've been going to church for a little while, Chris. But John's like, no, 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 no. Do you understand how sweet it is to trust in Jesus? He is the I am. And you're like, okay. How many of you have memorized the I am statements? If I asked you, hey, do you know the I am statements? Here's a chance for you to exercise your faith. You ought to know the I am statements. You're gonna need them in your life because he's reminding you what you should and should not worship in those I am statements. And this world's gonna offer other lights for you to worship those things, but the I am statements can ground you. Yet many believers only know I am the way, the truth, and the life until I'll show you the list. You'll be like, well, I knew that one. All right, all right, well, well here they are. He says, I am the bread of life. Well, I know that one, good. Because then you know he's the provider, not you. How does that calm your life down? Anybody here? It's your house, your money, your food. Jesus says, I'm the provider. You can bank on me. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I'm the end all. Yeah, yeah, but I, I kind of want a certain level of living. That is not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I will provide for you. I'm going to. Not maybe, not maybe even the way you want it at times, but I'm going to provide. He also says, I am, here's the second one, the light of the world. I'm your assurance. You're going to get lied to. You're going to be ushered down dark paths by people trying to steal from you, scam you, rob you, and hurt you. I'm not gonna do that to you. I'll lead you down the path of light. I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am your assurance in this life. There's nothing you can trust except my word. He says, I am the door of the sheep. I am your refuge. So Jesus again said to them, truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Many scholars believe shepherds at that time period would lay in front of the gate of the sheep as if to not only show, but to stand a post. And that reminds me when I'm fearful of threats, comments, or people, I can remember no one's allowed to attack me unless he lets it go. And if he lets it go, he's either got a purpose or he's calling me home. So I'm going to bed because nothing's allowed to get in the door of my life unless it goes through Jesus. Good night, devil. I don't feel like staying up tonight. He is my refuge. Oh, so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. I am the good shepherd. I'll be your companion in life. The intimacy of a shepherd and his flock. He was with them throughout their grazing, their pastures. And Jesus says, I'm a good shepherd. I lead you by still waters. I'm not out to hurt you. I'm a good shepherd. And the good shepherd, he's even willing to die for his sheep. You don't ever have to pray wondering if I want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt you. I love you, child. That's the devil whispering thoughts. I bet he pulled up a few circumstances and held them against me. I bet he's bearing testimony against me in your prayer life that I'm not good. I'm the good shepherd. 
oh, it's so sweet to trust in Jesus because otherwise you're left with your head and the things we create. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm your hope. You might place your hope in other things. You might talk about what you place your hope in. You might fix your hope in all these other things that life has. But I'm your hope. I'm the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, you'll live. And everyone who lives believes in me and will never die. Do you believe that? Do you believe you have an inheritance waiting for you? It'll calm you down if you don't think you have enough in your 401k. You got an inheritance coming. This world will always try to leave you and you don't have enough. You don't measure up. You're not gonna make it. God's not good. You're just getting those messages. That's the spirit of the world's gonna get pounded from you, from the enemy. But he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm your significance. I'm your access to the Father. If you believe in me, you have access. My son has really gotten into photography and he's gotten us into some fields and stuff where it was like no access at all. And we get these big media passes. And if we didn't have them, you aren't getting on the field. You're not getting near it. But if we just have them around our necks, they're like, all right, go ahead. All right, go ahead. Jesus is my access to my heavenly father. It's as if I hold that up and go, hey, I got access here. He's my significance. I don't need to get someone else to give me significance. God gives me significance. You need that in those moments when you're hearing the whispers of you're not good enough. Who are you? And look at you, you're such a failure. My significance and my access comes from the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, I am the true vine. I'm your strength. I'm the one who can uphold your strength. As a young preacher, I would spend hours at times working on sermons and go home sometimes so frustrated. Say to back, I got nowhere today. I got nowhere today. As I've grown in my faith, there's a muscle that got stronger. Okay, it still needs a lot of work. I understand. But there's a muscle got stronger and this is the muscle. You can't prepare a message speedily or with accuracy or with excitement unless you pray first. I never study without prayer. I start with Heavenly Father, I'm about to study. And I need you right now. College student, I'm gonna hook you up right now. Have you ever tried praying that God would help you concentrate? Now, if you do that, you also have to turn off your focus on your cell phone because every three seconds you're getting a text. I can't study. It's because you're checking things. You gotta have some responsibility. Brother, sister at work, you struggling? God, I need your strength today. Have you ever asked for it? Look what he's saying, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. I'm God, I'm your provider. I'm your assurance. I am your refuge. I am your companion. I am your hope. I am your significance. I am your strength. I am God. Why is that important? I don't know, Chris, you seem like you think it's important. Okay, here's why. Because the world is gonna offer you so many other idols to find your worship in. The world's gonna say, worship the idol of you provide. Worship the idol of you're the assurance. Worship the idol of you find your refuge. Go find it in this or this or this. The world's gonna try to offer you other things to worship. And if ever any of them get messed with, you're gonna have a hard time. 
because you worshiped it. If you get your significance from people, that idol's gonna get hit. If you get your strength from other people, that idol's going down. If you get your hope from anything other than God, you're gonna have that removed at times. And if you worship that, you will find the anxiety that comes with that. Oh, but if you have Jesus, oh, it's so sweet to trust in Jesus. Pound it in, worship only him. In tribal communities at times, they can worship a lot of idols. John Patton, the missionary, was dealing with the South Sea Islanders. And one of the things he tried to pound into them was that Jesus is one who you would believe in and then to love and to obey and to trust. But he didn't have a word for faith that would help them understand. He was so frustrated about this. And he was praying, God, give me a word to help them understand. And a young man came into his hut and sat down on a chair. And he said, oh, it is so good to put my whole weight on this chair. I've got it, he said. See, I've, I can't tell you how many times, even as a communicator, that I pray, God, I need something here. And he's provided something like right in front of you. And here it was. He walked around the Islanders and he said, faith is resting your whole weight on God. Oh, Faith is only as strong as the object you place it in. I'm placing a lot of faith in this chair because I believe it's strong enough to hold me up. Well, faith is resting your whole weight on God. All your provision, all your assurance, all your refuge, all your companionship, all your hope, all your significance on him. That's the abiding life. And it'll get tested. I remember specifically in 2002, I, I love this song. This part, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him how I've proved him or and or. Have you ever proved him anybody here long enough in your faith to go, oh, I've proved him multiple times. I've needed him multiple times. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, all oh, for grace to trust him more. I was a young dad. I went to an ordination with three of our other pastors. We were up on Route 80, precious, precious Route 80. I drive it off. And when you get whiteouts up there, you can't see it all. But it was snowing that day and our van went sideways. I've never been traveling that fast sideways down the highway. And when you're looking out, if you're in a second seat of a passenger van, a 15 passenger van, and you can see straight down the highway, that's not a good sign. And I was staring straight down because the van was sideways going down the highway. The driver of our van, one of our pastors, he said, I need everybody to hold on. And we hit and I know how many times it rolled, although the guys sometimes question me. I said, I know because I was counting and I figured the last count, I'd be in heaven. And as we hit and we started to roll, I put my head down as low as I could. I remember thinking that, just get your head low. Keep it down because the impact and bang, bang, bang. And you're feeling things hit you and stuff like this. And, and um, we stopped and uh, we were upside down. How did I know? because my whole weight was on the seatbelt. And I could feel it choking my neck because I'm upside down. And so I, I went like this to just kind of, because I felt like something in my head and I went like this and it hurt so bad. And I pulled my hands back and they were all bloody because it was glass in my head. And so now I have bloody hands. I know, I'm sorry, it's church. 
and I'm upside down, and I look up, and it's the bottom of the van. It's glass everywhere. And, and one of our pastors started doing roll call. You okay? You okay? And our fourth passenger didn't answer. He had been thrown some 30 feet from the vehicle. He was my youth pastor and um, father of a ton of awesome kids, one who sang this morning. And he was thrown down the highway. We were pulled out by a few truckers, and they said, I think your buddy's dead, but he's up there. I ran up to him, and I got there, and there was foam coming out of his mouth. Um, he lived, and that foam was a Wendy's Frosty. But um, <laughs> I wanted to take some of the angle out of that. But we thought he didn't. We, we went to the ambulance, and the Lord preserved us, but it was a moment where I became really officially asked to step up as a youth pastor. And I had so much fear. And I remember faith is like a muscle. But I also remember that I'm gonna need to prove this Jesus to be true because I'm in over my head. And that's when your prayer life goes to another level, when you're in over your head. How I've proved him more and more. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Do you need that today? Are you in a spot in your life where your faith is really being tested and you're going to need the grace from God to trust him more? Your faith is being so tested. You know, sometimes we get to spots where we don't even want to trust him. We get so tested. Oh, for faith. Oh, for grace to trust him more. John says this. I write these things to you that you might believe in the name of the son of God and have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we, hear, if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. What? This is awesome. Look at this. This is the third section of our letter. It is so sweet to pray to Jesus. And John gives us four things. I've written them down in my journal. Four things to guarantee you answered prayer. You say, I'm listening. He, he, John was so, he knew Jesus so well that he knew how to pray to him and get answered prayer. He, and he gives it to you right here in this passage. He says, ask boldly. This is the confidence we have towards him for his will to be done. If we ask anything according to his will, believing that he hears us, we know that he hears us in whatever we ask and trusting his answer. We know that we have the request that we have asked from him. If we ask boldly for his will to be done, believing that he hears and trusting his answer, he will answer. And we align to his will for us. Here's the problem. We ask weekly for our will to be done, believing he's not listening and lacking the trust that he's gonna answer. That's the problem. You see, when I reversed it, we felt the Holy Spirit go, uh-huh, that's right. He's like, but you don't understand, like I've been praying for stuff and it hasn't happened. Okay, well then you've gotten an answer. Yes, no. Any of you have a kid that doesn't like to hear the answer no? Jesus knows what it's like. He has kids who don't like to hear no. He knows what it's like to be your dad, right? I don't wanna hear no, okay? Yes, no, wait, wait. Dad, I want my driver's license. You're five. You're five. Many of us are praying for driver's license when we're five with God. He goes, no, that's not good for you. Come on. You'll destroy that. That's a bad thing. Yes, no, wait. 
But I find as I've grown that muscle of prayer where I really kind of want to know and pray what God wants, I want your will to be done, God, I've also found this fourth one. This is a cool one. Yes, no, wait, or watch this. I actually have something better. I love that one. I actually have something better than what you were praying. And when you begin to exercise that muscle of prayer, I don't go to God, I hope you want this. I come in, it's me again, God. Here comes Chris and I'm coming bold. I hear him, I just sense him seeing this passage going, come on, come on, I'm coming in hot because I'm one of your kids. Okay, I really believe this is your will, but I want your will to be done here. If I'm off, forget this one, but I really believe this would be your will. I'm looking at this scripture and I'm thinking this would be best. And I know you hear me. I know you hear me. I picture you looking at me and I know you hear me and I'm gonna trust you answer. And if it's no, amen, let your will be done. If it's wait, I'm gonna struggle because you know I'm impatient. I'm gonna try not to complain. And if it's you got something better, when that happens, I'm gonna tell everybody what you did. He says, that's how to pray. But then he drops this nugget. I'm gonna tell you right now, I am unqualified to interpret this. I'll do my best. But he says, you don't have to worry about praying for those who are committing the sin leading to death. Now, I've read a million commentators on this and I have agreed with all of them that they are also unqualified to do this because I haven't really anything I've read, okay? And uh, Chuck Swindoll said, I have spent years in the pulpit. I still don't like this one. It's one of my when we get to heaven once. If anyone sees a brother committing, a brother, a child of God, committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. There's a sin that leads to death? Well, it's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, some of you might be saying, but, but some have believed that the best thing to do is look at the situation with Ananias and Sapphira, that they committed a sin that meant their life would be cut short. And I don't wanna draw any application out of that, it's in the scripture and we can see it. But there is a sin where it even sees, and even in 1 Corinthians, it said some of them were dealing with that because of sin and their life was cut short because of it. We know God, there's no condemnation for those of us in Jesus Christ, but there seems to be a sin that leads to a shortened life that scripture speaks of that no one really has a full grasp on how that plays out. But we know this, we ought to be praying for children of God who are choosing a pathway of sin to get out of the darkness. That's all that leads me to do. I wanna be praying when I see one of my brothers and sisters in Christ walking in sin. I wanna be going around talking about, can you believe that? That is such a shame. I need to be praying for them. I need to be on my knees. He finishes with two no's. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know this too. We know this, read the second one for me. We know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God 
and eternal life. We know, we don't wonder, we know we are from God. We know the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. We know. And so little children, keep yourselves from idols is how he finishes this beautiful letter. Little children, keep yourself from idols. And you might go, why did he say that? It seems so random. Not when you think about the alternate options that the world's gonna try to provide us to trust in beyond Jesus. Church, we learned today in this final portion of our letter that if faith is the victory that overcomes the world, that we should be asking ourselves, what kind of faith do we have right now? Are you doing anything that requires faith? Have you ever asked the Lord to give you the opportunity to do something that requires faith beyond yourself and what you're capable of? I'll tell you what, it's stretching. It tests you, and you'll find out what kind of faith you have. Sometimes when I speak to teenagers, I use the three faiths. Do you know them? There's spare tire faith, wheelbarrow faith, and bus station faith. What? Watch this. There's spare tire faith. It's the faith you use only in times of emergency. God, I need you. Haven't talked to you in a while, but we are in bad way now. We just got some, we got some news from the doctor. Then there's the wheelbarrow faith. It's used seldom and it's unstable and easily upset. You have faith in God one day. Oh God, you should have seen what God did at my work. We don't have work. Okay, I hate you, God. I don't know where you're at. Whoa, whoa, I mean, God, he's never gonna provide for, oh, he provided for us again. We love you, church. We love you, church. And say, like, oh, not today. Oh my goodness. That's that wheelbarrow faith. I fall into that trap, don't you? You're a pastor, you never sin. Oh yeah, I fall into that trap. God, oh, you're right. I was so pumped yesterday. How can I be so discouraged today by that one thing? We fall into that trap, church, and we have to constantly be going to God saying, I confess that I want a stable faith. And then there's bus station faith. This is really good for Americans to hear. The kind of faith that you'll only follow if it's going to the station you want. And sometimes, have you ever noticed God doesn't check with you on where he's taking things? And you can fight it all you want, but he's asked you to get on a bus and trust him with your destination. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. 21 reasons, could you give it to me? 21 reasons I'm a child of God we got these down now. They walk in the light. They fellowship with Christians, admit they've sinned, confess their sin, seek to obey God's word, want to live like Jesus, love one another, do not love worldliness, do not forsake the church, understand the Bible, practice righteousness, do not hate their brother, know what love means. They test the spirits. They believe in sound doctrine. They love with agape love. They drowned out fear with love. They believe Jesus is God. They trust the witness of the spirit. They overcome the world and they know they are free. From God. These are all affirmations of your faith. And remember, whenever you read 1 John, it's not that you don't mess up, it's that's your aim and that's your target. And you're practicing these things, but you're relying on His strength. For apart from Him, you can do nothing. Child of God, you're taught in Scripture to shine like stars on this earth. Paul says, we are to shine like stars as we hold forth, what does he say? 
the word of life. You've been given the word of life. This Jesus that John talks of gave you his words. And when you abide in him, when you maintain an intimate relationship, you'll be able to sing the beautiful words of that song. Would you stand with me as we close our series in prayer? And we're gonna pray in song together. I remember being a young boy and listening to this song sung, and I thought, what a memory we'll create as we close our series. If you don't know the song, it's easy to pick up. I'm gonna lead it, so let's have faith in someone else besides me. And we're gonna sing Tis So Sweet in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're gonna pray this to you. Tis so Let's sing this. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Let's do this one. I'm so glad. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him and how I've proved him o'er and o'er. And Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Church, we've heard even from our media that people have prayed and asked Jesus into their heart during this series, amen? And uh, I pray that anybody in here who has any questions about how they can know Jesus as their personal savior would stop by and speak to one of our pastors. Heavenly Father, thank you for this series and this wonderful book of 1 John. We thank you for the assurance we can have as believers and we thank you for your word. In this world, we will experience struggle but it's so sweet to trust in Jesus. And we're brothers and sisters here. We got the same dad if we know Jesus as our savior. And may we look out for one another. May we care for one another and encourage one another because there's times in all of our lives where we got spare tire faith or we've got wheelbarrow faith or Lord, we're struggling with getting on the bus that you've called us to go on. Lord, we need you. We need you. And we can't worship any other idols on this earth than the one true God. He is the one we are to worship, our provider, our assurance, our hope, our light, our bread, the one we turn to in all of life's circumstances. May we shine like lights as we hold forth the word of life. And Lord, may you use that to bring many to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we pray this, thanking you for this series. Amen.